You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another disappointed episode of the Assembly Call. As tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers drop a very winnable game in Champaign to the Illinois Fighting Illini, 73-71. to It was Illinois' first Big Ten win of the season. Indiana drops to 5-4 and four in sole possession of sixth place in the Big Ten Conference. And really, if you were looking... You know, just at the numbers for how these two teams play coming into this game, for what would be the formula for Illinois to get this win, forcing Indiana into a lot of turnovers and Indiana not shooting well from the free throw line would have been kind of the simple formula based on how Illinois likes to play. And that's exactly what happened as Indiana turned it over on about 26% of their possessions, uh, far, far more than they'd been doing coming into the game. And then obviously we know how many free throws the Hoosiers missed. They missed 13. And in a game when you miss 13 free throws and lose by two, I mean, literally everything else could be the same. And if you just make a couple of free throws, if your senior Colin Hartman steps up and knocks down a couple of them, if anybody else can hit a few free throws, the result is different. But tonight, Indiana loses by two as the free throws don't fall and the turnovers kept coming. So congratulations to Illinois on their uh, on their first Big Ten victory of the season. I'm your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and we will break it all down for you on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Let's start tonight's show as we start every show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for the banner moment in this game, I'm going to take you back all the way to the very beginning of the game because it was by far the best sequence of basketball that Indiana had all night, which was basically the first four minutes of the game where the Hoosiers jumped out to a 12-4 to lead. Juwan Morgan scored or assisted on all of the baskets. In fact, you can take that out to the first 14 points of the game. Juwan Morgan scored or assisted uh, on, on all of those points. And I thought it was a really great start for Indiana in a tough environment against a team that obviously plays a different style of defense. Indiana didn't practice during their day off uh, since the Maryland win. They just did some film work, did a walkthrough. And so I think it would have been... I don't think anybody would have been shocked if they came out and struggled a little bit. But Indiana really came out and played well at the start of this game, took control and really kind of maintained control through the end of the first half when they had a 38 to 32 lead. And it was all based on how they started. And it was funny because in Archie's pregame comments, he talked about how, you know, against a team like Illinois that does something so different, you might struggle in the beginning, but you would hope that as the game gets longer, you would get more comfortable. Well, unfortunately, that didn't happen because at times it almost looked like Indiana got less comfortable as the game continued on. And we'll talk about the struggles that the guards had. But the way Indiana came out and obviously the way that Jawan Morgan put the team on his shoulders and led them on the road, that's exactly what you want to see. And Jawan, you know, had another spectacular game. Unfortunately, no one else really stepped up to help him from the scoring column. Uh, but those first four minutes were the best Indiana looked all night. It gave him a lead that they were able to nurse for a while. But unfortunately, Illinois took control at the start of the second half. And then they never really gave it back. 
and route to their victory. All right, our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. Why should you check out their website, HoosierProud.com? Well, here are three reasons. Number one, they have great designs. So they have our officially, uh, well, it's not officially licensed assembly call gear, I guess, but it is our official assembly call gear. They have officially licensed Indiana gear, basketball t-shirts, football t-shirts, soccer-themed t-shirts. They've got it all. Uh, And they also have a, a, a lot of really cool designs that are inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State. Uh, and so check them out, HoosierProud.com, uh, for all those different designs. Number two, they're very philanthropic, and they support Indiana-based charities. So if you want to support Indiana-based charities, buy some T-shirts at Hoosier Proud, and a portion of the proceeds will go to those Indiana-based charities, and you can find out what the charities are at their website. And number three, they are very generous with Assembly Call listeners. So when you go there, when you make a purchase, you will get 15% off of your entire order. Just use the promo code assembly so they know that we sent you A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y and you will get 15% off of your entire order. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. All right, it is time to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. And we will start with Andy Bottoms and his bottoms line brought to us by iustore.shop. Well, first, I'd like to congratulate the Big Ten and the officials by uh, by ruining their product, by having these games so close to one another in these short turnarounds. Both teams looked really tired at times and uh, I think the quality of play suffered as a result in part of the quick turnaround and in part because of the officiating in the second half when both teams went over seven minutes without making a field goal because I don't know that many were even attempted uh, during that stretch but I mean all that being said I mean I'm sure we'll we'll touch on the officiating which was uh, you know for IU to get called for what 19 fouls in the second half after six in the first half because obviously they were so much more aggressive in the second half than the first defensively Um, you know even in the face of all of that, this is a game that IU should have won, but their guards turned the ball over 10 times. They missed 13 free throws, uh, including a number of, you know, the ones that probably hurt as much as any were the ones in the first half that really could have, you know, could have been a double digit lead at the half. And I think um, that coupled with the slow start in the second half, in some ways decided the game. I mean, it was a case for me of, all right, well, you know, you felt pretty good to, um, you know, to, to be up six in some regard, you kind of talk yourself into feeling good about that. And the problem was, you know, then you come out and say, all right, well, get off to a hot start, push the lead up to 10, kind of put some doubt in Illinois. Well, the exact opposite happened. They came out really hot out of the locker room. Uh, IU wasn't, you know, it, it locked in defensively in a way that they were in the first half. And, um, you know, that really allowed Illinois to get some confidence and allowed them to get comfortable. And, and really, uh, IU picked up a bunch of fouls and really just kind of started that, that whole uh, trend during that stretch. So to me, that was... Um, you know, that was, that was largely it, uh, was really kind of where the game turned, not being able to be up more at the half and compounding that by, by really giving it away at the beginning of the second. And, uh, you know, just a lot of, uh, you know, not a lot of positive performances to talk about outside of Juwan and I'm sure we'll talk about the guards, but I thought they were just, you know, got rattled way too easily. Um, and for a team with, with as many veterans are on the team, I thought they got some of the, the worst performances or some of the quietest performances, at least from the veterans. And uh, in a road environment against the team, no matter how many Big Ten games they've won, it's just not the recipe that this team needs to uh, to succeed on on short rest. And, uh, you know, in a in, in, I don't know, must win is probably too strong, but uh, I, I don't expect to be fielding uh, questions in the near future about IU's uh, tournament hopes. So I think this has probably put an end to that at least. I'm going to ask you someone Thursday just to troll you. Absolutely. Yeah. Just go ahead and do that. <laughs> All right. It is time for Tonsoni time as the coach Brian Tonsoni is here filling in for Ryan Phillips. And that is brought to us by the great new podcast, Sports Talk with Tonsoni, which I hope you're listening to. 
Coach, your opening thoughts on tonight's Indiana loss. Well, I'll, I'll second what Andy said with um, the separation. My son and I always talk basketball that when you have a chance to separate from an opponent, you need to do that. And the missed free throws and some of the missed opportunities in the first half kept it at a six-point game. If we if we could have gotten it to a, a 10, 11, 12, maybe we break their spirits um, a, a little bit. And we gave them a chance to regroup. Uh, by having it only be six, and they obviously did a good job of uh, adjusting at halftime. Uh, I thought uh, the first half was enjoyable and good basketball. I thought we were locked in on their sets. Uh, we lost Frazier a little bit uh, late in the half um, that allowed it to be somewhat close, uh, but credit to that young man uh, in, in making some plays. But I thought it was an enjoyable uh, half. Ball moved. Uh, we were finding cutters. We were being aggressive. We weren't allowing that pressure to really – dictate what we were doing. We, and and it was a 38-32, I think, was the score. I know it was six. And you felt comfortable. And then all of a sudden, when the second half started, you could just see see things start to switch. And um, so, so my takeaway is that uh, this team has always had some deficiencies, and they're going to rear its head at some point. And at, at other points, uh, those uh, deficiencies are going to be masked or covered up by good hard play uh, like uh, the last couple home games. So this is just a, a coin flip team uh, right now, and, and we should enjoy Jawan Morgan and, and Zach McRoberts for the complete play that they bring every night. Absolutely. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. I mean, really, the blame for this goes to Jawan Morgan, right? Because he only played 31 minutes. I mean, you know, he sits out nine minutes. He was plus 14 at least according to the box score that I'm looking at, and Indiana loses this game by two. So clearly the answer is Juwan Morgan needs to play 40 minutes, and he's responsible for this. <laughs> that, that checks out. <laughs> yeah. No, but, okay, I mean, we have some negative stuff to talk about. We need to talk about the guards, but I do want to linger on Juwan just a bit um, because we certainly, we can't take performances like this for granted. He has 28 points. He's 12 of 14, uh, and I even thought that there was a stretch there in the second half where it's, I don't know if Indiana forgot about him, but I, I thought there was a stretch where we weren't getting him the ball enough. A guy that's a, a, as effective as him, and I think there was a play where he got a rebound and just decided to take it himself and was like, screw this. I'm just going to take it and go get a bucket when we really needed it. So, you know, he has 28 points. He also adds eight rebounds. The offensive rebound that he had near the beginning of the game is one of the best offensive rebounds I think I've ever seen. I mean, that was a man's offensive rebound. Uh, he also had three assists. So another really, really good game for him. Um, I almost felt like it could have been more, though. I mean, do you guys agree that there was kind of a stretch there in the second half? And, and again, part of that was just I think the guards were struggling so much to get us into anything and to have any kind of semblance of rhythm offensively and credit Illinois to that, too. But, you know, you saw late in the game, Archie calls a timeout. They go right into Juwan. He scores. Kind of wish there had been a little bit more of that. I almost felt like maybe we left some op some opportunities on the table with Juwan. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking through the play-by-play -play now. He took a he made a layup with 10.42 left and didn't shoot again until there was a minute and three seconds left, and that, in that includes free throws. Um, that shouldn't so, happen. Yeah, I mean, I, part of it was hard. I mean, the game had no flow at a certain point. And I, I mean, I agree, but there were times the guards couldn't, hold on to the ball long enough to get it into the front court to even get it to him. Um, and then you just had, you know, possessions that are just, you know, meandering on the perimeter, you know, dribbling for 20 seconds and then trying to do whatever. So, yeah, I mean, that definitely missed opportunities in terms of getting him the ball. And I, I just thought in, in a game that, you know, that first half really weren't a ton of fouls called. I thought there was a pretty good flow to it. And, and I think, you know, with all the fouls on, on both teams, I mean, to be fair, Illinois ended up getting called for a number of fouls in the second half as well. I mean, 
just no flow to the game whatsoever. And I think it, it allowed IU to easily get away from what was most successful, which is not an excuse by any means. It was certainly a missed opportunity. And then, you know, I think there were times when Archie's trying to, you know, shuffle him out to prevent him from getting into any further foul trouble, which I think limited his minutes in the first half as much as anything. He got more rest in the first half than we've seen in a lot of games, uh, you know, so far this year. And then, you know, came out and picked up a couple relatively quickly in the in the second half. But yeah, I mean, he was, uh, you know, both halves, the guy that that really did it. I think he scored about half the points in the second half and and definitely will lament not not finding ways to get him the ball more during that, you know, nine minute stretch. Well, and also should be noted, he missed five free throws, which was more than anybody else. And and for a guy that is a good shooter and that is being counted on so much for this team, you know, he does bear some responsibility there for, you know, he just makes three of those and has a six for eight night from the field. Indiana wins the game. So, you know, that should be noted, too. Any other thoughts from you, coach, on, on the performance from Juwan and, and maybe some other things Indiana could have, do, could, could have done to get him the ball even more? Well, I, I think they did a great job. Again, in the first half, they were against the pressure. They were looping Johnson underneath the point guard and then bringing Johnson up, and he was slipping a ball screen, and they were able to get that, that ball to the middle and then attack the rim, and they even did that with Hartman a little bit. And then Illinois adjusted and went to some zone, and we were able to find him in that zone. In the second half, they, they, they the pressure – was, was so good on the guards that we weren't able to get that action anymore, and the ball stuck on a side. And again, I don't know what Archie has to get that ball off the side. Maybe there should have been an adjustment at that at that time. Uh, all, all the time, you, as a coach, you second-guess what happened. But that, that coincided a little bit with his foul trouble, too, that uh, he went out, and sometimes you lose the flow. Uh, when your go-to guy goes out for a little bit of uh, of time, but yeah, the the second half, uh, I don't think it was a Jawan issue. I think it was just an offensive issue of not being able to find him and and going backwards versus the pressure. But what what, what a great year he's having, and it's oh, just yeah. a pleasure to watch. You. Game in and game out. Boy, it sure is. I mean, he's been absolutely terrific. All right, coming up on the assembly call, I will point out tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed. We will go inside the numbers. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, Use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the Script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And we are breaking down Indiana's disappointing 73-71 loss to the Illinois Fighting Illini. Again, the Hoosiers missed 13 free throws and lose by two. This is, you know, I mean, when we look back on this season, this is going to be one of the bigger missed opportunities for Indiana, not just to get a Big Ten win, but especially a win on the road that would have been so important uh, for this team and for this program. But they're not able to do it. 
And for tonight's meaningful moment that you might have missed, I want to take you back late in the second half. Obviously, you know, Illinois, Andy, as you mentioned, they took the lead early or, or they didn't necessarily take the lead early in the second half, but they kind of built momentum in the second half. And Indiana was actually able after Illinois tied it at 45. Morgan goes to the bench and Indiana scores six straight points. Uh, and it was the seniors. Robert Johnson hit a layup. Colin Hartman hit a layup. Josh Newkirk hit a couple of free throws. It was it was one of the better sequences of offense for Indiana in the second half. They go up six. Illinois immediately comes right back and scores six straight points to erase that lead uh, and kind of regain the momentum. And then they ended up taking the lead and they you know kind of nursed that three to five point lead there for a little while. But it was sixty four to sixty one. And Robert Johnson makes a beautiful pass and finds a cutting Devonte Green, and he's basically wide open for a little bunny, and he just tries to be kind of too cute on a layup, or if he just catches the ball and shoots it up properly, he probably makes it, but he kind of tried to spin it in. He misses it, so it's still 64-61. Illinois goes down and scores to push it up to 66-61 now with 320 to go. And I thought that was a big swing because if Devontae's able to connect there, it makes it 64 to 63. It's a one possession game. You cut into some of that momentum and it was so hard for Indiana to find good, open, easy looks that you just had to convert those. And I thought, you know, and this can lead us into a conversation about Devontae Green, because on the one hand, you could make the argument that he was Indiana's best guard tonight. Uh, you know, I mean, he was the most adept at actually handling the ball and breaking some of the pressure. He did have some some nice passes and ended up with five assists. Um, you know, and, and on a night when few people shot well from the line, he was six of nine, which I guess qualifies as passable on a night like tonight. But then, of course, he has, you know, makes the terrible pass at the end of the game, obviously cost Indiana possession a few minutes or a few uh, possessions prior when he just completely lost his dribble. So it was a typical kind of up and down game for Devonte, And I thought, that play in particular, you know, just trying to be a little bit too fancy on a layup instead of just catching it and shooting it is kind of indicative of the problem that he has. And, and this could have been kind of a shining night for him, but too many of those plays still find their way into his game, Andy. Yeah, I mean, I think the only shot he took where it felt like he was under control is the one that he made off that nice look from Morgan, hit it right around the around the free throw line. Yeah. And it was it but if you think about his other shots, they were either the product of having dribbled around far too long the the miss shot that you talked about um all ones that were just you know frenetic out of control type plays and the reality was though that he was doing a better job in a lot of ways than than newkirk uh or al durham of really breaking the press so it's kind of a you know damned if you do damned if you don't if you're archie miller i mean what do you do you you uh you know you struggled to find anybody who could consistently you know handle the ball and do some of those things but then it was almost as if you could have had Devonte get the ball across the half court and then substitute someone in at the half court line who could then who could then run the rest of the possession, which sadly is not something you can do. Although I'm not sure these officials would have noticed, but um, I just, yeah, it, he's just so frustrating to watch. And I know people compare him to Troy Williams. Like I find him more frustrating to watch um, because you see parts of it, and when he plays under control, he could be really effective. He just doesn't play under control enough and hasn't found a way yet to kind of rein in what he wants to do and even at times defensively was you know really good in the first half but kind of got away from that in the second half and so you see those flashes really on both ends of the floor and um 
I, yeah, I just can't imagine. I, I struggle to know what it would be like to coach him just because I, I feel like you just see these times. Where it's like, well, I have to play this guy because look at what he can do. And here's this, you know, these three plays where he was fantastic. And then you look at these others and it's like he made something that was so simple, so much, so much more difficult than it needed to be by over dribbling or, or not making a simple play. And it just is, uh, it, it's, it's a difficult spot for this team. I think in, you know, in an ideal world, you're not in that scenario where you feel like you you kind of have no choice but to play somebody who can be that erratic. But um, with this team, that's just kind of where we are right now. Yeah, and I mean, where else were you going to go but Devontae Green? Because Robert Johnson was loose with his handle, and he's never been the kind of guy who you know is, is going to be a press breaker and has those kind of you know those kind of guard chops. You know, you're really hoping that Josh Newkirk is going to be that guy. But there, and look, Josh has played better recently. But there are some games, and I don't know whether it's just a matchup or just you know kind of random chance because sometimes he doesn't quite come ready to play. But there's some games that he just can't be on the floor because he's he's really doing nothing positive. And this was one of those games. And, and to Archie's credit, you know he didn't you know force him out there for longer than he should have been out there. He only played 12 minutes. Uh, only Al Durham played fewer minutes of guys who got in the game. He played 11. Uh, and so, I mean, I think Archie kind of had to go with Devonte. But I mean, Coach, you know, you you kind of mentioned this earlier. I mean, this is a game where road environment against this type of team, you needed your guards to step up. Uh, you got what you needed from Morgan. You got what you needed from McRoberts for the most part. Uh, but the guards just were not able to hold up their end of the bargain tonight. After seeing Illinois turn over Michigan State 25 times uh, in the previous game, the thought for me was it's going to be a guards game and we needed to have really solid production uh, from the guards. And we did not have that tonight. Um, you know, Robert hit a few shots and uh, Devontae did some nice things at times, but but Newkirk struggled to guard. Uh, Devontae struggled to guard Frazier late in the, in the uh, first half. And that, that's just frustrating. And it goes back to your conversation about Morgan, that guards initiate offense. And, and if guards are getting zipped up on the, with the pressure up high or on the side and can't beat that pressure, then there's really not a whole lot that Archie, he can call plays. But if you can't get into plays, that is a problem. And, and our guard play, uh, when we lose, our guard plays bad. And when we win, our guard play is average or above average. And, and that's something that has to be fixed, you know, down the road. But Devontae did some nice things, but that last pass was just indicative of, of Devontae. Uh, he made the right read. Uh, there were two reads there. Johnson was open for the three, but Morgan was open. And it was just a bad executed pass. It was just a physical error. But th those plays need to be made in the Big Ten, and it it's just indicative of, of where we're at. I've been predicting a Robert Johnson game-winning three-pointer for years now. This was the game. He just didn't get the ball. <laughs> he was he was in his spot on the wing. He, he was there ready to do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I mean, with Josh, with me, you know, one of the plays that stood out coming out, this was one of the plays that really enabled Illinois to, to play so well at the beginning of the half. I mean, I think he turned the ball over, and then he shot a three as if the oh, shot man. clock was running out or as if the ball was, was engulfed in flames and, like, just hurled it toward the basket like an elongated Keith Smart baseline jumper except from three-point range, like, <laughs> falling into the bench. I'm like, what are you doing? And I think that's – I mean, in all honesty, that's sometimes a team that really pressures you so much. I think you get guys in a situation where it's like, I've broken it. I'm just going to shoot it before something else bad happens. And it felt like that kind of 
um, that kind of shot. Yeah, I just thought he he really you know really struggled. And the one he, you know he throws it into the crowd and he's looking at McRoberts like, oh, what are what are you doing? I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> so it was uh, yeah, definitely a really rough night for him. And I thought Al kind of had a couple nice passes in the first half. Was a little bit surprised he didn't play more in the second but uh you know he certainly had turnover issues and I, I don't you know it was one of those where there really wasn't anywhere to turn and because robert johnson isn't you know the guy the kind of press breaker that you mentioned before it, it almost turned into the same thing for him in the second half where he didn't touch the ball a whole, whole lot because it was just the the simple act of getting the ball across half court and getting into some kind of functional offense was such a challenge that you know guys who really rely on others to feed them the ball in a good spot, which I would put Rob in that category, just like Juwan. He can create a little bit off the dribble, but not a ton. I mean, those guys really suffered as a result of that. Yeah, you know, and, and speaking of Rob, I thought there was a, a sequence at the end of the first half that was kind of indicative of his night. It was 35-29, and, 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 you know, Brian, you made a good point that Indiana really should have been up more. They should have had a bigger lead going into halftime. Well, Rob drains a three to make it 38-29, and so it looks like, you know, we may go in with a nine or maybe even a 10 or 11-point lead if we can then get the ball back and go down and score again. On the very next possession... Uh, on defense, Rob just leaves Lucas wide open in the corner for a three-pointer. He just slid right down. Rob you know, kind of wasn't paying attention, uh, and it's a wide-open three-pointer. So he kind of gave it and then took it away. But that kind of awareness, those kind of little things, are the stuff that you need to win road games. And, and I just thought, you know, Robert has been much better recently. I mean, they flashed up that graphic that what the last four or five games he's been averaging 17 points. And again, a game like this, you need more than seven shot attempts from him. Uh, and you need him to be able to find a way to, to get some more offense and to be able to make better defensive decisions than that. Um, so while I think for the most part, Rob has been much better in Big Ten play, this is probably going to go down as one of his poor performances uh, of the season. Well, what what IU needs is a guy to beat people to the rim. Uh, watching a lot of college basketball for the bracketology stuff, you see a lot of players, a lot of guards that catch and get to the rim. The the Marquette kid today, Howard, had 24 in the first half from the guard position. Um, without that, there's a lot of pressure on executing offensive plays to score. It is difficult for Indiana to score because we are limited from a skill, you know, a skill position of shooting, of ball handling. Uh, I think Chronic Hoosier had a great tweet, tweet about the lack of shooting and ball handling at Indiana is so not Indiana or something to that extent. It was a fantastic uh, tweet. Uh, Unconscionable, I think, is the word that, that was okay. used. Uh, beyond my vocabulary, obviously. <laughs> and, I, and, I, yeah. and I'm a teacher, um, that said. But, yeah, that the guards aren't don't pay attention to detail enough for, for my liking. Uh, to take care of the ball, dribbling and falling down into a turnover, uh, throwing the ball to the front row without even – it wasn't even a pass that could have done something. Um, uh, getting the ball stolen when you just move the ball. I think Devontae or someone had there, – there were times when you just bring it across your body and you're not tough enough, and the ball gets uh, – and let alone the bad shots. So our guard play is, is just a, an area of concern. Yep. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni, breaking down Indiana's two point loss to Illinois. It's time to go inside the numbers. 
Uh, a few numbers that jump out to me. Look, obviously the free throw shooting, 16 of 29. We've talked about that. We talked about the turnovers. Indiana with 18 turnovers for the game, 26.2% uh, of possessions. Illinois came into the game turning opponents over 24% of the time, and that was fourth or fifth in the country. So Indiana was even worse than that. Um, so those are obviously the two stats on the bad side that really jump out. I think on the positive side, Indiana really did a nice job on the defensive glass. This is an Illinois team. Uh, they're fourth or fifth in offensive rebounding as well, getting you know well over 35 36% of their missed shots. Tonight, Indiana only allowed them to rebound 21% of their misses. That equated to a total of six offensive rebounds. So that job done on the defensive glass uh, was a really nice job again. And then Indiana makes 69% of their two-point field goals. I mean, that, and obviously Jawan Morgan has a big hand in that as he takes 14 of those and makes 12. Uh, so you see... What could have happened if Indiana just doesn't turn the ball over? You know, you take away four or five of those turnovers and, you know, turn those into three or four more attempts at two pointers, and you've got your difference in the game right there. So those numbers jump out to me. And then the other one is Indiana really in the first half did a nice job of sharing the ball. You're not going to beat this Illinois pressure by just dribbling around it. You've really got to move the ball, move it with the pass. Indiana did a great job of that in the first half. They had 11 assists, I believe, on 15 made field goals, something like that. They did not have an assist through the first eight minutes of the second half. So it's no wonder that the offense struggled, that Illinois was really able to, to speed them up, get them out of their rhythm, because Indiana just, again, you know, guys were trying to dribble a little bit too much, taking crazy shots, Andy, like you mentioned. Um, so those numbers really jumped out to me. What else stands out to you, Andy, from the stat sheet? Well, I think, you know, to piggyback a little bit on on what you said, I mean, the second half ended up with four assists on 10 made field goals and, and 11 turnovers to go with that. And that, you know, obviously... You know, that that ratio is just indicative of the of the guard play and, and things like that. Um, you, you know, even the turnovers, you know, Illinois turned the ball over 14 times and it led to 11 IU points. But I use 18 turnovers led to 22, uh, you know, 22 Illinois points. So big difference there. Bench points, 29, 17 Illinois. Um, they tend to play a lot of guys. So that's not necessarily um, not necessarily shocking um, with, you know, Nichols and Lucas both getting to double figures um, really were the, the bulk of that scoring. And it kind of circled this back to Robert Johnson. You know, one of the numbers you didn't mention on him was zero, which is the number of free throws that he attempted in a game where everybody was yeah. fouling like crazy. Um, you know, that to me was an area where if he could get the ball and needed to get the ball, be aggressive, try to take the ball to the basket and, and, and see if he can get fouled in a game when, you know, Illinois had a guy basically turn his back to the basket you know, mid drive and flip the ball over his head and, and wait for the referees to call the contact. So I think they would have uh, potentially blown the whistle on, on something like that. And so I think that just for him, you know, needed to be more aggressive when they really needed some baskets and somebody to kind of step up when things bogged down uh, offensively. So, yeah, but I mean, I think that the turnover numbers and the free throws really um, encapsulate what, what happened tonight uh, really wasn't a, uh, it wasn't, wasn't too difficult to, uh, to find numbers to point out for sure. Well, and Justin Smith gets no free throws either, and those are two of Indiana's better free throw shooters. And you know, so that might have helped that uh, might have helped that percentage a little bit. Coach, any numbers jumping out to you that we haven't mentioned yet? You know, as much as the turnover number bothers, uh, again, I I thought that was relatively where it might be at given what Illinois does, and, and the percentages you spoke were close. But uh, you you would like to limit those. The the free throw shooting is just. Uh, amazingly surprising and, and it wasn't um you know it wasn't Deron Davis stepping up to the line too it was it's people who have shot a little bit well a lot better than 50 percent uh, I think at one time we were 12 of 24 
at, at one point Hartman misses two, um, and and he's a he's we're expecting him to be a three point shooter, and so I, I don't know that that's uh, truly uh, who we are at the free throw line, but you can't coach missed against missed free throws. Uh, what you do you execute, do? You get fouled. Yeah, like um, I mean, you know. It, you'll you'll get on Twitter and everyone will be talking about how they coach free throw shooting and everything. You can shoot them and shoot them and shoot them. You could run, shoot them tired. You can scrimmage and call. But you know what? You never know who's going to get fouled in what situation after they've been playing two or three minutes or there was no timeout. I mean, you can shoot fatigued free throws in, in practice, but it comes down to a gut check. It, it, it is just talent and it is toughness. And, and what has been the problem with this team from game one uh, to now periods where toughness is not with us, hurt us, whether it's a game against IPFW, whether it's a second half tonight, whether it's at the free throw line, the toughness that Archie Miller wants is not there yet. And uh, whether that comes from more practice or more recruiting years or whatever, but free throw shooting's toughness, step to the line and make a shot. I like it. I feel like Ryan would have said the same thing if he would have been here. <laughs> All right. Um, Actually, he would have talked about Trevor Hoffman, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And he would have offered his services as the free throw coach if uh, if Indiana needs it, which maybe they do need a free throw coach right now. But, I don't know. You know, in all in all honesty, though, I mean, the, the one that Devontae had with about 10 seconds left, I mean, the first one, there's like no follow through at all. He just like flipped the ball up at the basket and it just... It, you know, and some of the other guys like Hartman's really aiming his when he was up there. I mean, it's easy to sit here and, and talk about that stuff now. Um, it also might be like a virus that's just infecting everybody because if you well, guys Archie miss, did say it was more pressure. Archie did say it was contagious. So I think there was definitely a little bit of that in the first half. But um, but, but then the flip side of that is, you know, McSwain, who's one of the worst free throw shooters on the team, stepped up there and knocked down two in a row at a, at a key moment in the game. He was and, three for four. Yeah. Shoot him so. like Freddie. Yeah, he's gonna. Yeah, he's gonna be shooting the technicals the next time if there's uh, everyone calling the game. Apparently, at the current. The free throw flu. Indiana is infected. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we continue our breakdown of Indiana's two point loss to Illinois. Uh, we got to talk about Zach McRoberts and Colin Hartman, two guys who are going in opposite directions right now. That is next here on the assembly call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game, no matter how late it ends. And every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni this evening as we break down Indiana's 73-71 loss to the Illinois Fighting Illini. And so let's talk about Zach McRoberts and Colin Hartman. I thought... This was not one of Collins' better games in an Indiana uniform. I think he had a nice sequence uh, in the first half where he had a nice assist and had a nice bucket. Um, but obviously him you know, missing those free throws, he missed three free throws, a couple of them late that were killer. I thought he took a, a three-pointer really early in the shot clock um, there late with three or four minutes to go, and Indiana really needed to get a good look. And yeah, you'd like to say that a, a three-pointer from Colin Hartman is a good look when he's open, but he was 0 for 3. He has not been shooting it well at all. And I just, I didn't think that was a good mature decision by a senior. And maybe you could say, you know, he's trying to show leadership, stepping up and taking a shot. But when you're shooting that well from two-point range and you have a guy like Juwan Morgan, I just don't think that you can afford to settle for a three-pointer right there. 
Um, on the flip side, uh, to Colin, I thought Zach McRoberts really stepped up and played well. Now, he did most of his scoring in the first half with 10 points, obviously made a couple of threes, had that early three-pointer uh, that really got him going. And he was actually second on the team in shot attempts, taking seven. Uh, also had five rebounds, a steal, played, played pretty solid defense. So uh, I thought it was encouraging to see what Zach was able to do offensively. The next step for him now is to start doing that more consistently because we've seen a few flashes from him, but then he'll go weak weeks without even taking a shot uh so that needs to be more consistent but it you know look zach mcroberts tonight played 33 minutes colin hartman played 17 uh, and i think mcroberts playing double the minutes from hartman right now seems about right because i feel like you know just in terms of the contributions those two guys are giving us mcroberts has been more consistent uh more valuable and more productive andy yeah, I mean, if you look over the last five games, I think Hartman's now three for 19 on threes. He's taken 19 threes compared to eight two-pointers um, in that stretch. And I think he's only missed two of the two-pointers, and, and he's you know three and 19. Um, and that play you were talking about was just one where it's like, yeah, if you're shooting it well, that's fine. And it feels like a senior trying to step up and make a big play. But just, you know, at that stage, he just has not been shooting the ball well. And, and how much the shoulder injury and things like that have, you know, that three for 19 comes – um, you know, directly on the heels of that injury, you know, he was four for eight in that Wisconsin game prior to that, missed the Minnesota game due to that shoulder injury, and then it's been three for eight since. So, whether that's impacting it or not is really hard to say. Um, didn't look comfortable at the free throw line, uh, as you mentioned earlier. And I thought, wow, he did some things well uh, and contributed without scoring in the Maryland game. Um, I, you know, didn't really feel that way tonight. It was a really rough game for him. Uh, and, and McRoberts, I think, fell a little bit into the same thing that so many other guys did. I mean, they couldn't get into any offense in the second half. I think what you see, and it's a little bit like what, you know, what Brian talked about, we're just having, you know, not really having somebody that can go get you a basket. Um, you know, I watched some of the first half of that, that, uh, that Xavier Marquette game as well. And, you know, Howard's just, you know, getting baskets off of the, off the dribble and doing, doing all kinds of things. I think IU has a whole lot of guys who are very reliant on the people around them to be able to get shots and to be able to score. And the reality is that the people who can really, get their own shot is probably Devonte green and i think you saw a little bit of that from juan morgan as you said jared when he had a couple drives where it's like he just got the rebound from one end just dribbled to the other knowing that he could you know kind of beat his guy down there but when you really he should do that, it more <laughs> well, apparently, apparently yes um but, but you've got so many guys and mcroberts definitely falls into that category where he was it was you know rebound putbacks or you know got open threes off of action that other people were doing and attention that other people were drawing you know, and, and when you can't get into any kind of cohesive or, you know, functional offense in the second half, that renders most of your guys, uh, I don't want to say useless, but it, it makes it really hard for them to score. And he fell in that category and he, you know, didn't score at all in the second half. And I think it's, it's you know, no surprise based on how that was. Your thoughts, Coach, on, uh, on McRoberts and Hartman? Well, McRoberts just keeps impressing and when he knocks down 10 points in the first half uh, and taking shots when he's open, that's going to help because people are going to have to uh, pay attention to him on, on, on those kinds of opportunities. And it's just, it's a pleasure to see a kid work so hard and then go in and do everything that he does. And you keep wondering, is it a two game stretch, three game stretch? Well, no, this is a whole season stretch. And uh, you know, that's, it's worth, it's worth turning, tuning in for the rest of the season simply to watch that young man compete at a high level. And, and, and Zach, if you could come talk to any team or anybody in, in any other level and, and share how you do it, um, we could have a lot of good basketball players. It is just, from a coaching standpoint, a pure joy 
uh, every night watching that young man play. And, um, you know, Hartman, you, you feel for him. I don't mind him taking threes. I know I don't want him to take a three early in the shot clock, but we need people to stretch the, the floor. It's going to be really hard to get the ball inside to Jawan. So, you know, the threes, sometimes you're, whoa, why are you taking it? But we need them, and we need them to start going down if we're going to be able to space the floor appropriately and be able to be efficient. So he's just got to, you know, I, I we tell people shooters have short memories. If you're a shooter and you're three for 19, maybe, you know, the law of averages will equal out and you'll win a few games, but you can't stop shooting if you're a shooter because uh, that's not going to help. Jeff Eisenberg uh, just sent out a tweet that said, police called after man enters Kansas basketball dorm offering free throw shooting advice. Uh, I hesitate to make any jokes about this. Hopefully, I haven't read the article, so hopefully nothing bad happened. But uh, Martha the Mop Lady, which, which is a good uh, Twitter account, at the Mop Lady, uh, retweets it, says, send him to Bloomington. <laughs> so maybe, maybe it was Ryan and he got lost on his way to, uh, on his way to offering the free throw shooting advice in Bloomington. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about Justin Smith. Uh, ever since the Minnesota game, people have obviously had very high hopes for him and his continued breakout, and he's been a little bit up and down. And I thought tonight he looked a little bit out of sorts, you know, looked a little bit frustrated a couple times when he got taken out of the game. I thought especially in the first half he was not making good decisions uh, with – you know, when to pass it, when to go up and shoot, when to dribble, you know, lost his dribble a couple times and that led to turnovers. He finishes with six points, three turnovers, but I think more concerning, he doesn't have any rebounds, doesn't get any steals or blocks. And I feel like for a guy like Justin, who can be so active, who has such athletic ability, he shouldn't be able to play 20 minutes and not put up anything in those categories. And I thought this was a game where Indiana really could have used a little bump from him. I mean, Jawan Morgan needed, you know, needed a wingman uh, down there. Uh, and I look, Justin Smith's a freshman. Maybe it's a little bit unfair to place that expectation on him in a road game like this, but especially when you're not getting it from your guards and when he's starting and playing so many minutes, you got to get a little bit more out of him and six points, nothing else. And three turnovers uh, isn't really going to get it done. Uh, Andy, what did you see from Justin tonight? Yeah, I think a couple of the turnovers are probably the. I, I didn't realize the rebounding thing until you mentioned it, but um, yeah, you know, a couple of the turnovers just really trying to do too much. You know, drive from the three point line to the basket. I think he did that at least once, maybe twice. That was, you know, for for a couple of those turnovers, and it's like that's just not what. Again, kind of going back to, he's another guy who who can benefit a lot from what others are doing, and the baskets that he got were largely the result of you know Juwan Morgan drawing attention or somebody else and making some nice cuts down the baseline. Um, I think you know at least at least two, maybe all three of his baskets were off of things like that. And um, he, he may get to a point where he's a guy who can, you know, do some of those things and create his own shot in that way, but he's just not there right now. And I thought some of what he was trying to do offensively was, was kind of above uh, what he needs to be doing at this point. And, and then, as you said, I think that's a couple, I don't feel like he had a lot of rebounds in the, uh, in the Maryland game either, quite honestly. And so, yeah, that's a, you know, potentially not great trend. Yeah. He had one, one rebound in that Maryland game uh, in one block. So, yeah, I think some of that, and, and it wasn't really in this case, you know, it's not like he wasn't guarding LaRon Black and, and there, you know, I, it seemed like a matchup where there wasn't really a, a go-to guy for Illinois that he was, you know, trying to stop and things like that, which is kind of funny given that he played so much against, um, yeah, I can't remember the guy's name on uh, on Minnesota right now. Uh, it'll come to me, I'm sure, as soon as I stop talking. Jordan Murphy. Murphy. There it was. Um, and, uh, you know, so he played really good on defense against a guy who's far more talented than anybody that Illinois was rolling out there. And so it just kind of, you know, kind of confounding. And I think you saw that with Archie a lot where it was just trying to, you know, kind of you probably look back at lineups and just trying to figure out like what kind of combination 
would really would really work because Hartman wasn't playing well as we just talked about. Smith wasn't really playing all that all that well. So who do you really kind of roll with alongside Juwan Morgan? I think that was that was really difficult because the number of guys you kind of go down and be like, hey, this guy really you know stepped up and played well tonight isn't isn't a very long list, unfortunately. Coach, are you pleased with Justin's development so far in his freshman year? Yeah, I think he's a true freshman and he's being thrown into heavy minutes. Uh, You saw that early in the year that he wasn't being totally counted on until the injury factor. And I think his problem is defense. Uh, I think I saw a tweet from Mike Miller of the uh, Bloomington paper that Archie was really mad at him in the first two minutes of the second half and said something about you're being soft on defense. So I think playing time for Justin is not necessarily an offensive issue for Coach Miller, it's a defensive issue. And and there's two, you know, there's two kinds. Sometimes it's a physical error defensively, and then there's a mental error defensively. And coaches who are defensive-minded really have a short fuse with the mental mistakes, and they have a little bit longer leash with the physical mistakes. That's probably why a Hartman goes in for Justin early in the second half if it was a defensive substitution. Uh, And I think that's Maybe the toughest thing for high school kids coming into college is to play defense against very talented teams uh, because the coaches usually play a zone, a trap, trying to get out and dunk the ball, or they put their star player in high school on the worst player to protect foul trouble. And and other than AAU, which some people say it, they don't play defense, do they really guard the way coaches want to guard? So I think Justin, I like his development. I think he brings some athleticism at that four or five spot. Uh, he's just got to get better defensively, and we just got to keep playing him until he does. You're listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with the coach Brian Tonsoni and Andy Bottoms. So big picture, guys. I, I find myself – I'm obviously disappointed in the result tonight because a winnable game was out there on the road. You know, you make free throws. You make a few better decisions here or there. You're going to get this victory. And it really would have been nice to move to 6-3 and three with <laughs> Purdue, Ohio State, and Michigan State coming up on the schedule now because it's going to be hard to get another win for a while. Not that Indiana can't do it because two of those are at home, but it certainly would have been nice to, to have this cushion to to be up there, you know, right there in fifth place in the Big Ten. But I'm I'm having a hard time being too kind of distraught about this loss because to me, when you look at it in the big picture, I think there are actually some things in this game that show positive trends for the program moving forward. Not in the micro sense that you miss free throws and the guards this year, you know, aren't very good and, and will lead us to losses like this. But when you when you think about how many things went against Indiana tonight, you know, the, having the one day turnaround and and you do you miss all those free throws and all these other things are going against you. And there you sit with a chance to win that game on the final possession and you only lose by two, because I feel like this is the type of game, especially when Indiana was down eight, you, you know, late in the game that they might not have battled back and, and maybe they wouldn't have come out as well prepared early. So I just think I think there were some signs from a coaching standpoint. Uh, and from just some of the things that Indiana did that I actually take away as kind of a positive uh, in a night that otherwise is a negative because you should have won the game. Um, but I I feel like maybe this is a half step back a game like this, but in no means do I think this derails all the progress that we've been making because it's tough to go on the road and win in the Big Ten. Indiana put themselves in a position to do it. They just didn't convert, but they put themselves in a position to do it. And I think that still qualifies uh, as it. Again, it's not necessarily progress, but I just don't think it's a major step back or something to be, you know, too alarmed by. Am I going too easy on him here, or do you kind of see the same thing? Go ahead, Go ahead Brian. 
No, go ahead, Brian. I, I would say that there is a lot of progress being made in the Indiana University basketball program. And it's just going to take a lot of time. And we're going to have ups and downs this year. Uh, you might make the case where in, of the 14 teams in the Big Ten, we are in the bottom two or three roster-wise. If you look at especially now with Duran injured, and I know other teams have injuries as well, but from just a, a standpoint, everyone on Twitter gets mad at Archie and this and that because Ohio State. Well, Ohio State has three kids that are really playing at a top level and a senior who moved in who's bringing that team together at the guard position. But so we're winning games against good teams. And, and you look, we're sixth in the Big Ten. There's a lot of teams that were predicted to be much better that are lower uh, than, than Indiana. If you take a big picture look at it, we are in a better place than where Minnesota is, and maybe even better than a Northwestern, which this was their senior-laden year after going to the dance. So they're, they're, you know, we're starting to play defense, and we're starting to take care of the ball better in general. Those are two things that are Archie Miller basketball that we didn't like about the previous. And you judge coaches not by wins and losses, and I know that the, the fans do, but you run it by the type of program, and I think in the, in, that this program is headed in the right direction. I know I say this every time I have a huge bias, but I like how we play in that first half. That's more of the style that we need to play consistently than the second half, and it was just a talent issue, uh, physical issue second half. Yep, Andy? Yeah, it's you know it's it's hard because I think it's one of those where if you if you kind of step back and try to look at it, not in the context of the how the last few games have gone and in the uh, excitement of of where things might be going and and what could happen this year and and potential of being six and three at the halfway point of the Big Ten season, and just kind of put it in the like, all right, what do we really expect out of this year based on the entire body of work that we've seen from this team? kind of feels about right i mean you're, you're this this simply isn't a team that no matter in illinois you know you can say that you know they, they clearly they obviously didn't have a big 10 win coming into this game they played a lot of teams tough um they were favored in the game there's all those kinds of things like they're not as bad as their record would probably indicate now i'm not saying that they're great and i'm and and certainly it was a game that iu you know could have have certainly won and would have been great to win um but this team isn't going to go run away and hide from anybody because they're just not good enough to, to really blow anybody out. And if you look down the the Big Ten ledger, they they had a great game against Northwestern, played probably their most complete game defensively of the entire season, and still only scored sixty six points, I think. And, and 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 so that was probably the anomaly. And this team's going to get in a lot of close games. And if you shoot yourselves in the foot with in close games with not being able to make free throws and turning the ball over, then you certainly increase your odds of coming on the wrong end of that. And and so, you, you know, it's, it's certainly frustrating. And I was, you know, frustrated when we got on here, but if you take a little bit of a step back and do that, I don't feel like it's moving the goalposts and saying, Hey, this isn't what, what we would expect. It's a game. They should have won, make no mistake about it. They should have won the game. Um, but you know, in some ways I'm not, I just don't know, really know how else to, to process it as, Step back and look at what we've seen from this team. Is it really shocking that they lost a game against a team like this? Probably not. Okay, but more importantly, if Indiana sweeps Purdue, Ohio State, and Michigan State, are they on the bubble? <laughs> no. I'm gonna I'm gonna deflect your question because I refuse to answer it. Um, so I've got a I've got a co more coaching related question for Brian. So 
So I, I don't think anybody could argue. I'm going to, I'm going to get back to the officiating because this is what Ryan would want. If I'm not going to talk about Trevor Hoffman, he would want me to circle back to the <laughs> officiating. So from a coaching perspective, you see the game now in the second half being called what I would argue is completely differently than what the first half was called. What, what is your, what do you tell your team to do defensively and offensively? Okay. That's a great question. Cause um, in, in the Slack chat, I said we wanted a tightly called game because I thought Illinois would put more pressure on and, and we play the pack line and that would benefit us. And it ended up hurting us. And um, what, you know, you've got to be able to move your feet defensively and not reach. And they put pressure at the elbow. They made a nice adjustment. Underwood's a good coach. They made a nice adjustment and they were scissoring guys off the, the elbow into the post. And if it didn't get into the post and they were swinging it for a ball screen at that very post going downhill, most ball screens we see up high or on the wing, they were setting ball screens at the elbow. And that was a tough tough guard and they did that after halftime so you're trying as a coach to yell how to do how to you know adjust to that on the fly and and the point is when you have a veteran team they're more likely to adjust on their own when you have a first year program and they all of a sudden this happens and okay Archie might have seen it on tape or whatever but you're trying to yell out there so I would have I would have maybe tried to trap that but that's a hard place to trap but uh sometimes you get a bad officiating crew uh, we've had a few this year. Uh, sometimes, and, sometimes. Uh, okay, a lot of times. Um, we haven't been very happy in our high school games uh, uh, about some of the files that they seem to go uh, one way. But but here's the thing: when you're rebuilding and you have a team that doesn't have skill, you're you're going to be a step slow. And so I don't know how you fix it on the fly. Um, I don't know how you fix it necessarily on the fly. Maybe you go to a, a zone defense, but we know that's not Archie, um, and that's not me. Uh, it, it would be maybe you go to a softer man-to-man so you don't get beat off the dribble. Uh, a sagging man-to-man is another option, but then people will hit threes on you. So um, it's a skill thing, and, and and it's just beating your man to a spot, and we say guard your yard, and, and our guards didn't do it, and then it creates bad rotation. So, um, yeah, you got to adjust the officials uh, some. It's really a difficult thing to do in a 20-minute segment of a game. Yeah. Harder than harder than it seems for us fans to say. Why don't you Why don't you change this or do this? It, it's just it's difficult. All right, coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, we hand out our game balls. We look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, the Boilermakers, and then we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's seventy three seventy one loss to the Illinois Fighting Illini. That is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU Postgame Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's two-point loss to Illinois this evening. And it is time now to hand out our game balls. Let's go around the horn. Andy, we will start with you. Well, I think hopefully one of us will uh, will give one to McRoberts. I thought he played well, but I'm, I, I, you know, it seems easy to do. I mean, I think you just record me giving the game ball to Juwan Morgan and just play that essentially at every post we should just start calling this the juan morgan game ball and then we'll give it to somebody else but it's named after him because he always gets it yeah or the game ball for somebody not named juan morgan maybe we could just throw that in there but uh yeah but for now i'm giving it to him i mean he was uh you know really came out was active at the beginning of the game like you said and and was just everywhere accounted for so many of those points and 
And really, when the game got away from IU, it was either in large part when he wasn't on the floor, although I know uh, that stretch that you mentioned, uh, you know, where they rattled off six points when he was out was one where I was like, you know, maybe they're going to be able to pull this off. That that was kind of one of those moments. But uh, by and large, they did not play well when he wasn't on the floor and when they didn't get him the ball. And uh, I think, you know, again, it just underscores how important he was to the team. But, uh, you know, 28 points missed missed more from the free throw line than he did from the field. He was 12 of 14 from the field. So uh, somebody somebody questioned whether we had the option to just take the ball out of bounds when Illinois would uh, would foul. Perhaps <laughs> that would have worked out a little bit better uh, if we could have uh, if we could have gone that route. But uh, again, I thought he was uh, really good. One of his better rebounding games uh, recently with nine rebounds and three assists. You know, second on the team in assists, continues to create uh, opportunities for others by playing so well. So hard to go with anybody but him, but I think he and McRoberts both probably uh, the two guys who uh, w- were the most deserving tonight. Coach? Well, I don't know if this is appropriate, but I'm going to give my game ball to Robert Finnessy, uh future point guard. <laughs> Man, if they could have slipped him out there tonight. That uh, That's, it's perfectly appropriate. On Okay, <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know. My, my salary for these is nil, so... <laughs> I don't I don't risk much by taking a chance, but I saw him firsthand last Saturday in a game from the coaching sidelines and and Andy, we couldn't make adjustments on fantasy and and they they handed us a, a good whooping. but um, I think uh, so my game ball goes to him because I think he's going to be a typical point guard that understands offense and will get people into the offense and will be able to knock down shots. He has some areas that he needs to grow in uh, physically to stop people and, and score in the lane uh, strength-wise. But I liked his game, and, and I'm glad he's graduating so we don't have to play him anymore. And uh, I, I will say that um, afterwards I, I sent something to Jared, and, and he he sent this back. And I think it's really appropriate for, for Indiana and Indiana fans. And he was talking about our high school team, but I think it's it's really relevant. And he said, the future is bright. Once you get old, then stay old. Things will be better. In, in response to that, we're starting young uh, – uh, a, fr- a frosh, two softs, and and a, 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 fr- a freshman off the bench. So, four underclassmen in our starting lineup. He he said that to me. Uh, it helped a little bit that night. But I think that's what I use in right now too. Is once we get players in, and and we might get some one and duns or two and duns, but we're starting to get those the the program going. These kind of games uh, will be won and and won with a higher skill level and higher basketball IQ. Yep. That's awesome, Coach. I I figured you were going to go with McRoberts, and so I was really straining to figure out where I was going to go, and I was thinking up all the arguments for why I was going to give Devontae Green a game ball. Um, and really, we said I, we can more than one of us can pick the same one. Well, don't, I know, but don't paint yourself into a corner. No, I know, I know, but I mean, I think there were. I mean, look, I'm not saying Devontae was great, but given that no one else could really do anything against the pressure, you have to kind of take some of the the mistakes that he made, and he did some good things. So this was not. A, you know, an awful Devonte Green performance, eight points, five assists. But I will go with McRoberts. I think he's got to look for his shot like he did tonight. Now he took that one kind of wild shot where he got the rebound, kind of drove all the way, uh, and I kind of, and it came the possession after Devonte Green had kind of taken a wild shot. Something, uh oh, don't don't let Devonte rub off on Zach McRoberts. That needs to go in the other direction. Uh, but I, it was actually it was kind of nice to see Zach force a shot. Like I don't mind it if he forces a shot every now and then because him just being seen as a credible threat and going two for four from downtown, that makes you a credible threat. 
he's going to be playing 30 plus minutes. It can't be where his defender just totally sags off. And so I think putting what he put tonight on film, I mean, you know, the rebounds, we know all about that, but him getting 10 points, knocking down a couple of those shots, I think it was really important for Indiana getting off to a good start. We talked about what his limitations are offensively, and so he needs other guys to be creating the opportunities for him uh, like Juwan did with a couple of those passes early. But I thought he he really stepped up and provided some offense on a night when Indiana needed it. So once again, Zach McRoberts doing the little things uh, and tonight some of the big things uh, to help put his team in a position to win. Unfortunately, Indiana just wasn't able to do that. Um, Andy, this is typically the spot in the night uh, when we preview Indiana's upcoming opponent. We do have a show coming up tomorrow, <laughs> Simply Call Radio tomorrow, as this uh, crazy schedule continues. So because it's so late, let's not spend too much time on it, but you want to give us just a quick minute about Purdue, uh, which is coming into town on Sunday, and kind of preview your more detailed preview that will come tomorrow? I would suggest people not think about this game until 329 on Sunday afternoon. That's probably the best advice that I can give uh, <laughs> Purdue. Is, I mean, they're they're in the top five in both offensive and defensive efficiency, so that really uh, bodes well. IU also similarly ranked in both. Unfortunately, they're 106th versus 109th as opposed to third versus fourth. Um, By the so, way, I know. looked, and I think five of the last six teams that have finished a season in the top five of both offense and defensive efficiency have won the national championship. So, I mean, Purdue is no, now who knows if they can actually finish there this year. And some people will say, you know, they haven't played a great schedule in terms of like, you know, playing top 15 or top 10 teams that, you know, it, when, if that's your one quibble with them, that shows you, I mean, I hate them, but they are really good. Yeah, no, they're, they're extremely good. Uh, a veteran, you know, you talk about the get old, stay old there. This is the the picture of a team like that with uh, all the experience they have. So it will uh, going to need a lot of assembly hall magic for sure in, in that game. And, um, you know, in some ways, this is this is the kind of game where IU teams, when you least expect it, have come around and, uh, you know, been been more competitive than you might expect. But it is a, a truly tall challenge for uh, for IU going into that game, there are not a lot of uh, not a lot of chinks in the armor for Purdue at this point, um, but uh, based on uh, what they do, they're also just to give everybody a couple of nightmares for those of you watching live. Uh, for all IU's woes at defending the three point shot, Purdue first in the nation in three point shooting. So, uh, yeah, it, definitely a tall order. I would come in with relatively low expectations to the game, and as I suggested, do not think about this game until three twenty nine on Sunday afternoon. How's their free throw defense, though? Because that's really been the challenge for us. How are they know. defending free throws? Uh, let's see. Uh, not bad. 47th. 47th as of now. So I got that going for him. Okay. Well, you're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that because you're an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off of your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear, one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts, uh, or one of Hoosier Proud's unique Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com. And use the promo code assembly at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com promo code assembly for 15% off your entire order. I am Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms, the coach, Brian Tonsoni. We are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's loss to Illinois. Gentlemen, it is time for last call. Our closing statements on this Indiana defeat. Uh, and coach, we will go to you first for closing statements. Yeah. You just got to try to stay positive in, in a first year of a new coach. I, I know it's difficult, um, but this team is showing some strides in certain areas. It's winning some games like the Maryland game and, and the complete game against Northwestern. And, and and we'll have a few more of those. And we'll, we might surprise someone that we're not supposed to beat. And, and my suggestion is just, you know, uh, wash off whatever feelings you have from game to game and go into it 
with a brand new thought and, and, and not look ahead to what place we're in the Big Ten or what the record's going to be. This is a, a growing year, and I think we'll find ourselves um, happy at the end of the year that that we got through this and and look forward to, to things to come. But stay positive. It, you, you know, you're, you're here watching this show and listening because you love IU basketball, and it's coming back to the way it was when we all fell in love with it, and it'll get there sooner. Then, then later. Mm -hmm. So, Andy, seriously, for your last call, like if we beat Michigan State, Ohio State, and Purdue, are we on the bubble? <laughs> There's a whole lot of crazy things that are going to be happening if those if those three things occur. I so want to know. I rule out. I rule out nothing if those three things happen. Um, no, I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, it's you know, late, I, man. It's late. I guess. I, yeah, it really, it really is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm really glad the game could start late and then and then get and drug then, out by by foul shooting contest. Yeah, by you know thirty plus fouls in the second half. Yeah, that's outstanding. Um, now, you know, I I, I would kind of echo what Brian said. It's uh, it, it's one of those where like you don't want to let yourself get reeled in to to thinking that things might be better than you expected them to be. And this was kind of like the reality check that got you back to like, you know what there's going to be some, some highs for this team and they're going to show progress, but um, at, at its core, there are flaws on the roster. There are, uh, you know, deficiencies on the team. When you, when you look at, you know, conference shooting numbers, it's, I mean, it's the make, you know, they're ninth and two point percentage for as well as they've shot twos in, in so many games in conference games, ninth and two point percentage, 11th and three point percentage, 14th and free throw percentage. There's just no, there's no margin for error when you're you're playing that way offensively, and and that margin for error gets completely blown out of the water when you turn the ball over as much as IU did tonight, and you miss as many free throws as they did. It just, um, you know, it, is a hard one to swallow because in spite of all those things, they were able to win, and that was you know kind of one of the points I made in the Maryland game when I, I wrote the email uh, after it, and thankfully I don't have to write this one, um, so good luck with that, but. Um, <laughs> But, you know, IU won in spite of some things that they wouldn't have won in spite of in years past. And today they almost won in spite of things that they wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have won in spite of in years past. And so if you want to, you know, take the glass half full approach, you kind of look at it that way. If you want to take the glass half empty, you feel like it's the same old thing that's happened over and over again. But, uh, you know, I thought what Brian said, just enjoying watching the way that Juwan Morgan and Zach McRoberts are playing, um, the way he started is probably the best way to finish because Juwan Morgan is so much fun to watch right now to see how much he's grown and how much he has on his plate and it just doesn't phase him and the injury doesn't phase him and he comes out you know two days after playing 36 minutes on a bum ankle and look like there were four of them on the court at the beginning of the game um you know the enduring memories of this season will likely be this is kind of where things got started for archie miller and probably how well juan morgan played and if anything more happens than that then so be it but uh Maybe because it's twelve thirty here. Uh, I, that's what I'm going to try to try to think of uh, as I as I attempt to get some rest before I have to go to work tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or today I, is the case. Maybe you know, I mean, perspective is so important, and it can be a difficult challenge. You know, coming on here in these post game shows and reacting immediately after a game, the focus is on what just happened in that game. So it's so important. I feel like for us to remember to take a step back and and look at things in the macro sense as well. And if you look at when Big Ten play resumed back on January 2nd, if you had told us that four of Indiana's games over the next, how many have we played, over the next seven games would come down to four points or less and we're going to win three of them, 
everybody would have taken that right then and there. We would have said, yes, let's take that. You know, and some things have really, really went Indiana's way in beating Minnesota and in beating Penn State and in beating Maryland. And tonight, some of those things didn't go Indiana's way, you know. But if everything else is the same in this game and Indiana just makes three more free throws, if Juwan Morgan is six for eight from the line instead of three for eight from the line, then our entire perception of this game is colored differently. And so I just think that we need to to keep that in mind and and make sure that you know just because Indiana lost and yes it was it was a disappointing loss like let's acknowledge all of the reasons why that happened and acknowledge the limitations and probably use this loss as just a reminder that okay you know maybe maybe this team's not going to go uh, 15 and 3 in the conference or, or win 12 or 13 conference games yeah that's probably not going to happen because when you're playing this many close games you're going to win some and you're going to lose some of them and tonight Indiana was on the losing end but on balance I still think that the direction is positive and progress is being made. Uh, and so I'll go to bed disappointed tonight, as I think all Indiana fans will, uh, but not with some feeling, again, that, that the progress Indiana has making has been derailed. Uh, I think there were still some positive signs. And, and I think the games as we move forward where we get good play from the guards, you know, we're going to we're going to be able to win uh, those games against teams where we're evenly matched. And the games where we don't get good good play from the guards, you know, uh, we're going to lose those games. But this is the first season in what is hopefully going to be a very long and fruitful tenure under Archie Miller. Uh, and I still think, on balance, things are things are going well enough for me to still feel really positive. Uh, and that doesn't change after a loss, uh, even one as disappointing as tonight's. All right. Well, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join to join our free email newsletter. You'll get our six banner Sunday news roundups and our post-game analysis emails sent the morning after every game, which I am getting ready to go right uh, right now. Thank you for listening. We will talk to you again Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio and then again on Sunday for the IU-Purdue post-game show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of the Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate... Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes. Email alerts. A string around your finger. They're just not big enough. 
So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.